0: Hello everybody and welcome to the 12 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Jocene. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it 200 episodes. I mean, what could you even do to celebrate such an occasion Besides, I guess, a double-length episode uh, that's half the normal stuff. I will be breaking down the news, don't get me wrong. But it's also half, like, little jokes and, you know, just me talking to you. And let me say, I am very happy that I've made it this far. And I am even more excited for things to come. I think I got a good 500 episodes left in me, truth be told. I mean, seriously, I really do. I really do. Um, so, Joe Biden's president-elect now. Donald Trump's on his way out. So, immediately, I'm, like, already in a different world than I was when I started. I only started this less than a year ago. I mean, what's going to happen next? That That's a big question. What is going to happen next? Am I going to uh, just sell out and become like a prank channel or something? Well, no, because this isn't a YouTube channel, this is a podcast. Am I going to actually just give up on everything and stop doing this and go to the woods and write a manifesto and start... St- no, no, you, you, I'm I'm not going there. Who do I look like, Cassidy of Fairbanks? Or Josh Holly? You could see either of them doing that, let's be real here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, what else is there for somebody to really do? Because I'm going to be blunt with you guys, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I could not imagine the hell of being, like, a popular liberal commentator right now with Trump on his way out. What do you think half of the MSNBC staff is going to do now that Trump's out? And there were people like that during Bush, by the way. Um, Al Franken kind of fell into that category. Michael Moore fell into that category, in my opinion. When he was the most active when Bush was president. Um. Let me think a little bit more. There have been other ones. That guy who wrote the Bush Hater Handbook wrote a few other books. We haven't heard about him in over a decade because his whole thing was, I hate George W. Bush. Uh, Molly Ivins had an excuse, mind you. She kind of died. But that's besides the point. There were tons of people like that, and I'm trying to pinpoint Who I think will be like that in the Trump era. I don't think Rachel Maddow will be. I really don't. I do think the Casanar brothers, assuming they still exist, will be. I do think most of Pod Save America will be. Because people were only really listening to them to attack Donald Trump. And they did that pretty well, don't get me wrong, but still. In fact, I feel like Hunter S. Thompson. Or I could feel like Hunter S. Thompson, after Nixon left, because after Nixon resigned, Hunter S. Thompson could have covered that and so he just sort of laid in the pool all day. Um, because he couldn't believe it. Like, this was a man he had been attacking, I think it was since the Checker speech back in 1952. This was a man he was attacking... Like, the entire administration. He made his career hating Richard Nixon. And then it's like, after that, what do you do? And Hunter S. Thompson still did some great work, in my opinion. After that. But it was hard to argue. It was really the same. And I'm sitting there worried that that's what my work will be after Trump's out of office. I'm hoping that... I don't want to be one of those people who peaked with the first administration they go after. Okay? And I feel like Thompson really was that kind of person. Um, and there are others who became those kind of people. We will see tons of liberal commentators be like that. With that said, though, I don't want to be like that. I want this time, four years from now, Peaceful Globalist Review to be bigger, to be better, and to be more influential. I think it is going to be a bigger, better, and more influential podcast four years from now. Assuming I'm still doing it. And I probably will still be doing it. You know, we'll be celebrating our... Well, we wouldn't be at a thousand episodes yet. We'd probably be at about 800 or 900 episodes at that point. And I'll be sitting here talking about that. May even be bothered to actually start playing clips by that point. I stopped doing that, by the way, because Twitter downloaders stopped working, and I just find using the camera better than using Audacity. Um, I don't know what the future holds for peaceful globalist review. But I will say that we are not slowing down just because Trump's out of office. And he is going to be out of office. He can pretend he's not going to be all he wants. He's going to be. You know, I heard talk on Parlor about there being a military coup by the administration. The military's not going to let that happen. Um. Most military ballots actually went to Biden this time around. And the military has repeatedly said they're not going to get involved. And they're going to stop it if they get the chance. Truth be told. Now, what's more than likely going to happen is Trump's going to go off to Mar-a-Lago over Christmas. And then just, like, not come back to the White House. Probably wouldn't attend Biden's inauguration. And no matter what. But... Still, something is going to happen. No matter what, something is probably going to happen with Donald. It's not going to be particularly big. But the point is this. 200 episodes in, we aren't slowing down. We're just getting started. Okay? There's going to be a lot more going on. 2021 is going to be a big year for Peaceful Globalist Review. Make no mistake. And you know what? It doesn't matter who's in office then. They're saying that Biden's going to be kicked out and Harris is going to become president. Then you know what? I'll, I'll be doing the same thing no matter what. I will be attacking the Biden administration. I've already attacked the Biden administration. You heard me react to Buttigieg being his secretary of transport earlier this week. And I was making fun of that to Helen back. And I am going to still make fun of that. Because Pete Buttigieg is a loser. But big things are going to happen here and you guys, yes you, are going to be the first ones to see it. Make no mistake. You guys are great. What can I say? Anyway, uh a while ago I covered an Andrew Anglin article and I learned he had a fashion guy and I promised to read it during the 200th episode. So let's read it. Self-Help Sunday. Fashion is not a sense, it is a size. Now, for those who do not know who Andrew Anglin is, he's a Nazi. Or, I'm sorry, he's a white supremacist. Neo-Nazis actually hate this guy. Because he's too nice to Harvey Weinstein. That's the only Jew I've ever seen him defend. And it was Harvey Weinstein. Now, Andrew Anglin has been melting down throughout all of 2020, and I've covered most of it. And it is glorious, do not get me wrong. Um, But this was from before he melted down. First, we have a note. This article is from mid-2018, by the way. If you are over 40, please do not bother reading this article at all, let alone responding to it. This is an article for young men who want to be attractive to women and present themselves well in college, in social networking situations, and in the professional world. I am not trying to lecture old people who have been doing the same thing their entire lives about how they should change with the times. Just so, if you live on the farm or in a village or something, and whatever, wear bell bottoms or work boots if that's working for you. This is intended for the majority readership, which is young men we live in, in urban or semi-urban Western environment. Okay, so, so far... Nothing, nothing bad. Let's read what Andrew Anglin thinks you should dress like. Now that we've settled the issue for women, I've not read the article, and now I kind of want to. Although, no, I, I, this is the one he linked in the article I read on the show. This is the one we're going with. I'm sorry, but we have to. And everyone understands that they (laughs) have... Okay! Now that's a, already that's a sentence, and everyone understands they are not human and deserve to be lucky. <laughs> this is why I actually do recommend reading The Daily Stormer if you can stomach it, because it's just reading one guy continuously hate everyone around him for years and years on end, and 2020 has been like The culmination of it. It's been Andrew Anglin acting in the most Andrew Anglin way possible. And I absolutely just... I don't want to say I love it because that implies I approve of it. I enjoy it. That's all I'm going to say. There are two major contentions between me and the DS readership. Whether or not people should be picking up free pitbull puppies from Craigslist and drowning them in buckets, I don't even know if that's a joke or not. Whether or not it is valid for a person to have an opinion on what is fashionable. We've got a lot of work to do on the first thing, but today I want to talk about the second. I have not read Andrew Anglin talk about drowning puppies. Andrew Anglin, if you are listening to this, answer that question. I'm being dead serious. Answer the pitbull (laughs) question. This is what happens every time I read it. I just burst out laughing. And again, I'm lucky because I can laugh at this, because in the world that he would describe, I would be the least fucked over, but this is still just really funny to me, And in the fact that there's a good chance he unironically believes like, like almost all. I won't say all of this. I will say the vast, vast majority of it. First things first: fashion is not a matter of opinion. It is not a sense. It is a science. Second things second: if you are to view the children you wear, or the clothes you wear, sorry, as a means of expressing your personal identity. You are experiencing a crisis of masculinity, and you are antisocial. If I present a factual statement about the unfashionableness of straight-ledged, bell-bottom jeans, and you say that is your opinion, and you can tear to wear bell-bottoms, it is absolutely no different than if I say gravity makes you jump off a 10-story building, you fall to the ground and die, and you say that is your opinion and jump off. We got, we got a pure objectivist in here, boys. Andrew Anglin. Pure objectivist. <laughs> the eternal science of Andrew Anglican-esque fashion. I, I may accidentally call him Andrew Anglican, by the way. And that, that's not me insulting him like when I call... Robert O'Brien, Richard O'Brien, or I call Bill Crystal the criminologist. A lot of my insults are Rocky Horror related now that I think about it. Uh... <laughs> no, they're not! Those are just the first two that came to mind for some reason. Uh, that's just me screwing up. Because... I really, really, really don't care. You see, there is something called A-B testing. I'm scared to hear what those stand for. This is the application of statistical hypothesis testing, which is generally used in reference to testing the applicability, efficiency of electronic applications. But it's easier to use the metaphor of A-B testing than to attempt to explain the latter, more complex concept in this context. He then quotes Wikipedia at length about this topic. Um... Which is a little odd, because I thought Wikipedia, Andrew, was ran by... them. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. This is Andrew English, not try to be subtle. I thought Wikipedia was run by Marxist Jews, Andrew. I got that impression from an article of yours from 2015, literally titled, Wikipedia is run by Marxist Jews. Uh... By the way, I should note that the pictures on this article are no longer valid. They're 404 now. Yet the second paragraph reads Case in point, the above screenshot. Where? It no longer exists, Andrew Anglin. Oh my god. I absolutely, this is one of the pitfalls, by the way, neo-Nazis, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, neo-Nazis hate this guy, white supremacists find themselves in all the time, they think every media outlet is run by Jews who are lying to you, um, yet they're very, very willing to quote those news articles when they back up their points, uh, look through, and uh, look through Andrew Anglin on any given day, and every time he quotes a news source, just search that up in um, the Daily Stormer. I don't know if it has a default search or a personal search. I can't find it, so I just like take the Daily Stormer URL, dailystormer.su, slash search, slash the name. And you will find at least one article, without a doubt in my mind, calling that person a communist and a Jew. I'm being dead serious. Try try it sometime. Now, this, by the way, does not apply to things he's actively praising, just kind of things that he mentions as a source. Like, he would never call Nick Fuentes this, but he's actively praised Nick Fuentes on several occasions. You know, when he's, like, kind of dismissing it and putting it off to the side. Then, that's when you search it up, and you find him saying that they're run by a bunch of Marxist Jews. Hopefully, it is easily understood how this can be applied to fashion. The main people who have done this are pickup artists. Okay, great, great comparison, boy. They have tried different forms of clothing, gone out and approached random women wearing different clothes and determined which go the better response. Because, yes, a woman looks at your clothing at least as much as she looks at your physique, as a way to rate your sexual marketplace value. That's always been like a really gross term to me. Is that just me? Like I find and this is the guy who has directly said that metaphysics isn't all that important, in the physical world takes precedence. Um like when I hear terms like sexual marketplace value, I just I just find that gross for some reason. Or not gross, but just kind of weird. Just weird. Though she looks at neither as much as she looks at your height, and being 5'7", I presumably had more reason to learn this than you did- Oh no, Andrew Anglin! Oh no, you're a short, short man! Oh man! (laughs) Poor Andrew Anglin, a short man! (laughs) You're 5'7", Andrew Langland. Hey, 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 don't don't worry, Andrew Langland. Ben Shapiro is like 4'7", and he could still find a wife. I bet you can, too. <laughs> I'm making fun of him, but he makes fun of himself, so I feel he's fair game. <laughs> and he's also a white supremacist, and that's also why he's fair game. Now, obviously, this is not a perfectly developed science, as the people performing testing are not scientists. You mean Roosh V isn't a scientist? He's a bread scientist. (laughs) Did you guys see that? This was before Roosh V converted to Christianity and then gave up. Uh, He started making these videos about how actually it's mainly to like baking because it's scientific. And he called himself a bread scientist. I forget if that's before he converted to Christianity or not, and now he, like, just posts on Twitter about how bad uh, premarital sex is. It's like the fact he's had hundreds of examples of it, written 20 or so books about it. In all fairness, though, he has stopped selling those. Also because they were very rapey a lot of the time, but that's a different topic entirely. Uh, there is no university with a department devoted to the study of it, we tried that, and you considered it useless. Scientific papers are not being produced analyzing the results of various fashion effects on women. Dang it, we need to call Rarity. She'll figure this out. Well, I've been talking about this article for 12 minutes, and I haven't even gotten to his fashion advice. Okay, Andrew. Andrew. What is your fashion advice? Here are the hard facts. Above, I talked about women's perception of men's fashion sense. And clearly, that is something that should be important. But more important is the way other men perceive your fashion sense. (laughs) I don't know why, I just thought that statement was really funny. I just imagine, like, some some chick eyeing a guy across the bar, but before she does, before she, like, does anything, she has to move over to her guy friend and say, excuse me, is that that guy attractive? Do you think that guy's attractive? And the guy's like, what the fuck? What the? What? <laughs> Thankfully, there is a very simple underlying reality here. Because men will naturally, due to biological drives, think first about what is attractive to women. Women are ultimate ultimate determiners of what is fashionable for men. Other men will pick up on whether or not you are dressed in a way that attracts women and approve of you if you are. Well, dang it! Dang it, and I don't know what the point was of that little joke earlier. Certainly, there are certain exceptions to that rule. Uh, And the obvious one is skinny jeans phenomena. (laughs) I actually am with him on this. However, this was about the mentioned bleeding-edge fashion trend, which lasted only a short period of time, and was used by a very specific type of man to appeal to a very specific type of woman in a specific social circle. Say specific one more time, Andrew. And it may not have ever been attractive to women at all, but rather a weird method of New males signaling to other new males in a way that soy beards and comic book t shirts are a way for soy beer boys to signal to other soy boys. Oh, God, this article is so 2018, which makes sense because that was the year it came out. Um, so let's just end by looking at the quick list of bullet points Anglin has. Baggy clothes is never appropriate. There is no worse look than a baggy t-shirt with writing on it and baggy jeans. Dress pants and suits should also be fitted. I do agree, by the way, you should wear clothes that fit you. Just to be clear. Do not wear a t-shirt with labels or writing on them. Okay, I actually do follow that one most of the time. Most of my shirts are solid colors. Oh my god, I'm dressing like the white supremacist. <laughs> do not wear hats unless the manga hat at a political event or somewhere else where you're trying to trigger people. I don't have any hats. Why do I dress like you? Um. If you have hair, you need to get it cut three times a month by a professional barber. Okay, I break that one, so I'm safe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have long hair. Uh, if you rec- if you have a re- receding hairline or a simply prefer not to have hair, trim it every other day with an electric razor on a one setting unless you are completely bald, in which case you can use a zero. Well, wait, wouldn't that just be not on? Do not wear long hippie hair unless you are Asmodore? Which only, I have no idea who that is. I'm gonna look that up now. Um. But yeah, I have very long hair. So at the very- Oh, it's another neo-Nazi. I kind of expected that. And literally the first link from Yahoo is uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh man. Oh man. I can feel- does this guy have long hair? I'm trying to see if I can find a picture of him. No, I'm not donating to you, Southern Poverty Law Center. Let's see, Robert Bornway and Jewish Control. And there's a link to Daily Stormer! Come on, where's a picture of him? Where's a picture? Give me a. Okay. This guy looks like George Lucas's even fatter brother. Oh my god! Shorts are only appropriate for the gym or the beach. As a rule, the wearing certain shorts in the summer can be done with normal white sneakers only while you are running errands or having coffee in the daytime. Shorts can never be worn to any college or workplace. Again, I kind of agree with that. I don't like wearing shorts personally. I know people who like wear shorts in the winter. I'm like, are you just why? Why? Uh, the V-neck. V-Crew neck t-shirt question is ongoing. Most experts prefer V-neck. However, if you are going to wear a V-neck, you do not want hair sticking out of it. I don't wear V-necks, by the way. Just just to be clear. Uh, because I am not a hipster and or Mr. Peanut Butter. You do not have to fully shave your chest, but the hair should be trimmed to about an eighth of an inch. You want people to shave their chest? Okay, soy alert. REAL MEN HAVE HAIR EVERYWHERE! IF YOUR HAIR IS NOT THE LEFT OF THE BEAST, YOU ARE NOT A MAN! I'M SORRY IT'S TRUE. <laughs> IF YOU ARE EXCESSIVELY HAIRY, PREFER THAT THE HAIR IS DARK. YOU NEED TO TRIM ALL YOUR BODY HAIR. THIS IS ALSO A PRACTICAL MATTER FOR GYM, WHERE excess HAIR CAN COVER YOUR PROGRESS AND MAKE IT UNCLEAR WHICH AREAS YOU NEED TO WORK ON. AGAIN, Whoa, soy alert there, Andrew. (laughs) Don't get tattoos. I I can't agree with that. If you have them, it is what it is. I have them. (laughs) Oh, man, Andrew. I want to know Andrew Anglin's tattoos. If anyone knows what Andrew Anglin's tattoos are, let me know immediately. Uh... Oh my god. Oh my god, wow. Wow. (laughs) So in conclusion, I violate like half of these, which I am fine with. But I also weirdly agree with the other half, and I don't know how I feel about that. I gotta give Anglin this. I never leave his articles bored. I leave his articles laughing hysterically. Anyway, uh, on another story, it seems like 38 attorney generals wanted to celebrate my 200th episode with me. On Thursday, this is for a reason, 38 state attorney generals filed an antitrust suit against Google. A fucking other one! Really? Another one? Why why, did, why do they keep doing this? They all fall. They all fail. Well, the answer is because actual reality doesn't matter. The no only thing that matters is their absurd Luddite ideology. That they will force on you, and Google is only the start. You know, they want to bring us back to a time where we were living in mud huts because that's where we were the easiest to control. I've been saying that for... 200 episodes now. And you know what? It's true every single time I say it. Uh, m- make no mistake. We are living in a world of Luddites. We are living in a world where major government facilities have been taken over by those who want modern ideology destroyed. The entire world is essentially run by Ted Kaczynski at this point. There's really no need to believe anything opposed to that. Then they quote the Wall Street Journal. The state alleged that Google's leverage its position as a dominant search engine, the personal data such as a perk allows the company to gather to limit consumers from using competing search engines. How? Even if I'm on Chrome, I can still use Bing or DuckDuckGo or Yahoo. Yahoo actually used to be the big monopoly. You guys remember that? I mean, seriously. Seriously. This doesn't make any sense in the slightest. But, okay, okay, let's read a little bit more. Uh, Force businesses to use its proprietary advertising tools and foreclose competition from specialized search engines for travel and local business. Again, no idea how they're doing this. Also, Reason points out the lawsuit comes a couple of months after the U.S. Department of Justice filed a similar antitrust suit against the search engine giant. By the way, that came immediately after a House uh, Antitrust Subcommittee report that determined they were not violating a single antitrust law through 16 months of investigation and way more subpoenas than one cares to count. Uh, past federal investigations of Google's supposed monopoly power have come to nothing. And then they show this poll, by the way. Uh, This was from Alexander Sapp on Twitter. The gap between how consumers view Google and how the government views Google is probably wider than any of us, um, than any other company. The Verge survey, 90% view Google favorably. 72% say Google has had a positive impact on society. 85% would be disappointed if Google disappeared. Uh, The antitrust case filed today focuses on whether Google is illegally Peripherating its own services, or preferring, sorry, or preferencing, that's the actual word. Uh, In search, the FTC investigated this exact question in 2013 and voted unanimously not to pursue the case. Canadian Competition Bureau did the same in 2016. Is this time different? Well, yeah, it's because our legislators are much more ideologically committed to Luddism. Than they were in 2013. You know, there used to be this consensus that one of the main goals of technology was to make society better. We even had shows about it, things like the Jetsons. Remember that? Now we live under the assumption that the entire point of technology is to worsen society. We've been taken over by ideological Ted Kaczynski, and we didn't debate this and come to this conclusion. We did not seriously think this out and come to this conclusion. We were forced to come to this conclusion, and they started justifying it later, after they'd already started, after a massive propaganda campaign that most people did not buy into against social media and against Google and against all forms of technology. They had been trying. Green activists, hard green activists, were the first ones to really start this up. But that didn't go anywhere. They were just seen as crazy, crazy liberals. And then, you know, the idea of modern society being bad was also promoted by conservatives for a bit. Uh, But that, again, did not really go anywhere. And the main reason why it didn't go anywhere was because the vast majority of the population is not anti-technology. You can read them all the nonsense philosophy that you want. You can read them all the contemplating depression, contemplating having depression statistics that you want. Seriously. But at the end of the day, they're smarter than you. They know. And when I'm sitting there, I'm cynical of people in general. When I'm sitting there and saying, sorry, they're just too smart for this. You know your propaganda is bullshit. They're going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying. We're going to see hundreds of more of these suits. And this, by the way, is another reason to be excited for Biden. Because hopefully he can put a break on this. Trump was letting it go because Trump was an ideological Luddite. He agreed with people like Ted Kaczynski. He agreed in many ways with that group. Um, You know, he appointed people who were, at their core, anti-technology, in large part because technology allowed you to fact-check them, allowed you to realize they were saying nonsense. That's why his big thing was battling Twitter after they started saying, hey, this might not be entirely correct. Uh, after the 1984 vice presidential debate, somebody pointed out that George Bush made tons of actual inaccuracies and the response of his press secretary is literally, OK, well, you write an article and it gets 200 reads. Who gives a shit? Well, now you write an article and get millions of reads. And people do actually give a shit and they don't like they have to. They'd rather go back to where you can just lie constantly to people. You know, where if you wanted to read about Watergate as it was developing, you had to be in Washington. Uh, They want to go back to this pure Luddite time because that was the time they had the most power. That was the time when Enlightenment thought had not taken off yet, and they loved that time. The powerful people absolutely loved that time. Technology and information in general is a liberating thing, okay? Education and information are liberating. That's why uh, Thomas Jefferson opened the University of Virginia and refused to charge tuition because he believed that in of itself was a liberating experience. Yet now, what do we have? What do we have now? The answer is we have a Civilization that is trying to be told, no, don't be educated, be stupid. And you know, it started with Reagan. It really did. It started with, uh, there was this Bill Hicks bit where he noted that ever since 19. 19- no, the full story was like he was reading in a diner and somebody asked him, What you're eating for? And he's just sitting there thinking, I've never been asked that before. I mean, I've never been asked what you're reading, but what you're reading for? I don't know. I guess so. I don't become a fucking Waffle House waitress. And then, like, this redneck stood up and said, Well, we got ourselves a reader. <laughs> and he said it's like, Did I accidentally say I was gay at a Westboro Baptist church meeting or something? Jesus, like, what the? Yeah, I read, so what? <laughs> I noticed this started, oddly enough, in 1980. Gee, wonder what happened in 1980 that might have caused this. Who knows? Who knows? We can't put the pieces together. I think there was a connection there with a different event that might have influenced this in several ways. Just... wow. I know, I know, I'm being a little bit facetious in all of this. this. No, no, is facetious the right word? Sarcastic, that's a better word. It doesn't mean anything near facetious. But the point is, they want to live in the what you're eating for world. I want people to live in the I've never been asked that before world. And that kind of separates... Me and the people in power. We will be living in Fahrenheit 451 one of these days. Don't get me wrong. That is the end goal of these people. Fahrenheit 451. Then maybe later, 1984. But Fahrenheit 451 is where it really starts. Uh, (laughs) And let me tell you. The internet is the modern book. And banning it is the modern burning. Anyway, uh, here is... Something that Andrew Yang tweeted today that got a lot of attention. Uh, Andrew Yang is a former presidential candidate, the soon-to-be mayor of New York City, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, of, and by the way, he is going to run this decade. Got a doubt in my mind. Is there a way for someone to easily show that they have been vaccinated like a barcode they can download to their phone? There ought to be. Tough to have mass gatherings like concerts or ball games without either mass adoption of vaccine or a means of signaling. I've been testing a photo, shoot, or interview and gotten a bracelet showing I was negative. Then we could interact more freely. Okay, so he's saying that, like, hypothetically, there should be some way to identify if people got COVID-19. This is not a new thing, by the way. With the, I forget what vaccine it was... Um, But there was one that, when it was originally taken, you would get, like, a massive scar across your arm. And that's how you could tell if you had had it taken or not. I think that was, I want to say that was cowpox, but cowpox might not actually be a thing. Wait, no, no, it, it is a thing, and I know it's a thing, because studying it was actually where we got the term vaccine from the cow. Bet you didn't know that, but anyway, uh, the quote tweets for this were absolutely amazing. Just uh, what the what the hell? Um, one person at eGene Marine sixty four, I assume for the Nintendo sixty four, said, "Her Goebbels, I'm Jewish. You told me you can't shop where we do." wear the star, walk on the other side of the street. Your business is now closed. We're taking your house. We're resettling you. Get in the cattle car, welcome to the camp, enter the gas chamber, fuck you Nazi hard Uh By the way, the Nazis did not say welcome to the camp. They told the they actually lied to the Jewish population about what they were doing. They told them they were basically shipping them off to Israel or something. Nor were they told they were entering a gas chamber. They were told they were going to be cleaned, And so that's just utter nonsense. And there are a million other replies that compare this to Nazi Germany. One, by a guy named, what, what was that name again? Let's see. Freckled Liberty said, literally you right now, and then posted the picture of a Nazi demanding the papers of a citizen who looks very Jewish. Like, if I were to draw a Jew, and that would be it. Uh, Steve Miller said, might want to rethink this one before running for mayor of a city with the largest concentration of Jewish population in the country. Robert Starbuck wonder if he's related to the well-known founder of Starbucks, Howard Starbuck. This is said, this is Nazi talk, Andrew. Uh, John Cardillo, is that like an armadillo? Said, some Australian... No, no, he wrote Austrian. He wrote Austrian. He wrote Austrian, guys. He wasn't that stupid. I tricked you! I totally tricked you for a second! Some Austrian guy had the same idea in the late 1930s Germany. Um, Ali Stuckey said, I think we need to think through the various implications here. Austin Peterson, the failed presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party, losing too, and this is true, none of the above. And John McAfee. He keeps denying that. And he did technically beat McAfee in Delegate Count. But he didn't beat McAfee in any of the primaries. I said, this is some Nazi shit, Andrew. And we can go on and on and on. And this is a comparison I've seen time and time again. Like, I saw somebody put a Star of David over their mask as a statement. Well... There are a million issues with this reasoning. The biggest one being this would only work if you were somehow being discriminated against for taking the vaccine. You're you're not, for the record. In fact, it's being actively encouraged. If you got a mark in Nazi Germany, that was a sign you were a bad person. If you got a mark in 2020 USA, that's a sign you're a good person. Or at the very least you did, you took a vaccine. That is the sign. And by the way, I'm saying bad person relative to what Nazi Germany thought. Uh, just Just to be clear. So this comparison is already a rather false one. In fact, by refusing to get it, you are essentially saying... I WANT TO STAND OUT! I WANT TO LOOK LIKE- I WANT TO HAVE PEOPLE LOOK AT ME WEIRD! I WANT TO BE A- BE THE WEIRD ONE HERE! NO, THAT'S NOT WHAT'S GOING ON. NOW, MIND YOU, YOU CAN STILL CRITICIZE THIS IDEA FROM A PERSONAL PRIVACY STANDPOINT, AND I WOULD IF THIS WERE IMPLEMENTED. but. I just want to take a moment to discuss that one comparison, because the fact is, it is totally utter nonsense. It reminds me of this Michael Malish tweet from earlier this month, replace coronavirus with Jews, and suddenly the behavior of 1930s German population becomes eerily similar. Now that is true, for the record. If you replace ANY term, though that we as a society think is bad with Jews, then the, then the actions of 1930s Germany become utterly similar. <laughs> Replace people who don't bathe with Jews and suddenly the behavior of 1930s Germany becomes eerily similar. Take that, liberals. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And I don't even hate Michael Malice, too. I think he's a smart guy. He wrote um, those two interesting books, I guess. I haven't read either of them. And the replies to this are absolutely hilarious, by the way. Uh, One person just simply said, Replace soap with anti-Semitism and suddenly everyone who bathes is a Nazi. I'm covering myself with anti-semitism, personally. What's your favorite brand of (laughs) anti-semitism? Somebody else replied, You're never going to guess who compared Jews to a virus. That's a fair point, actually. You know, if you're sitting down thinking, You know what this bad thing reminds me of? Jews. Maybe you're the one with a bit of an anti-Semitism streak. Just, just, maybe. Um, another great one. Hey Mike, please elaborate on how Jewish people and coronavirus are similar enough to make this analogy work. Oh my gosh. You're probably too dumb to realize this, but suggesting that people entertain Jews with a Deadly pandemic is incredibly insulting towards Jews. Sean from Chan Anjin just replied, What? Hello, everyone. What? <laughs> and then this person, by the way, posted the meme. It's the same picture of a Jew looking at a not na- or a Nazi and a Jew face to face. And it says, it says here, you're non-essential. But the it says here your is over the Jew, so it looks like he's saying that, or maybe these two are just finishing off each other. They're finishing each other's sentences. How romantic! A shoe from shoe on head just replied, "What?" And <laughs> oh my God! Someone posts a picture of the guy at the party with Michael Malice's head. And it just says, Replace these happy people with dying Jews. And suddenly my dark fantasies become eerily similar. This is great, and I love it, and I wish I could marry these memes. Also, the best one of all time is Buff a buff Dog, Maga, Gun Truck Patriot Eagle Freedom, also Maga, Mask Hurt Facey. Anyway... Last thing I want to say tonight, and I don't have any other windows open. I normally have, like, another window open or something. I'm just looking at myself, and I guess the timer, while I'm saying this. Because I really want this to be from the heart. 200 episodes. I know I began by saying this, but I feel the need to say it again. 200 episodes. Peaceful globalist review started because I was bored while in lockdown. I expected, as as I have done before when I tried projects, um, to just give up on this after a couple of months. That was about nine months ago. And I've been doing this every weekday. No matter the circumstances. Never missed a weekday. Or no, I think I missed one weekday, actually. But I filled that on Saturday. For 200 episodes. And this isn't a particularly popular podcast, by the way. I'm not like making the big bank doing this. I just kept doing this because screw it. I've done 200. Might as well. I I did 190. Might as well do 10 more. Now that I've done 200, might as well do 200 more. You know, I did one. Why not do two? I did two. Why not do four? I did four. Why not do eight? Did eight. Wow. I'm. Why not do 16? Did 16. Why not do 32? Did 32. Why do another thirty-two? Why I did sixty-four? Why do another sixty-four? And here we are, two hundred episodes later, for a Monday through Friday show. Not, not the most impressive thing, mind you. Monday through Friday shows typically last this long. It takes us less than a year to really last this long. It's not like this was. A weekly or monthly thing where, yeah, you miss one, there's a lot, it takes a lot longer to build that up. But at the same time, it's like it's a weekly or monthly thing where I have an entire week or an entire month to make plans around this. I've been doing this spur of the moment every night for 200 episodes. There was a doctor um, who I used to know, and they said that every year he came in, and he was in his 80s, to my knowledge, last time I heard of him, uh, he said, I have five more years in me. That's how I feel right now. At the start, I could do 200 more or 500 more. I feel like now that I've done 200, as I felt after I did 100, for that matter. I can do 500 more. I visualize myself. That's what they say to do if you're in like AA or something, is to visualize yourself. Set a goal. I visualize myself at the end of episode 700. At the end of episode 201, I'm going to visualize myself at episode 701. And I'm just going to keep doing that. And I wasn't doing that from the start. And maybe the numbers will sometimes be different. Maybe I'll visualize this at the end of episode a thousand one. Maybe I'll visualize myself in a year or two, or three years, or four years, covering all the new events. I don't know. I really don't know. Um. I mean. Wow. The point is, I used to think doing it for this long, because I had a podcast before this, back when I was really nothing more than your average social Democrat, uh, which I would not recommend watching. And that, I stopped doing that because my camera kept dying to the point where it became a running joke that I actually had to cover. I think it was the 2018 midterm The show on that with no video because it was blacked out. Um, that just happens sometimes to me. I was using a laptop that was broken for a good chunk of it. Like, the wires were coming off. It was also really small compared to the laptop I have now. Like, I think it was maybe the size of the screen total. And, you know, th- those, act- those extra inches, you, like, notice those after a while. Yeah, you know, I had to bend it all the way back, and of course that was also video. This is only audio, but two hundred episode. Like, I I just can't get over that accomplishment, and it's been one episode at a time. You know, I never sat down and said. I can't wait to make it to episode 200. I said, I'm going to keep recording this one day at a time. I started visualizing myself. Longer and longer time periods. Those are often vague time periods, like I said earlier. Um, and I've just been doing one at a time. And it's been building up for months. And I can't believe it. I'm probably going to give a similar speech at... Episode 300, 400, 500. 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000, and 1,100. Although, would it be tacky to do it at 1,100? 1,200? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait six years from that point. Five, five and a half to six years. For need to have another big, celebratable event. But... I just don't even know what to say right now. This is the most heartfelt I've been on the podcast in a very long time. And we haven't even broken a year yet. That's the other thing. And when we do, there's going to be something amazing. Don't know how I'm going to celebrate that, though. How should I celebrate that? Hmm. How should I celebrate that? Maybe give away a free copy of my book or something. Buy my books, by the way. Um, of the new books I'm writing as well. I have two in the incubator at the moment. Would it be the incubator? No, the incubator's where you go after you've given birth. That'd be where you... That'd mean I'm writing an updated edition. I'm not writing any updated editions. No, they're in the literary womb, if you will. That makes sense. I think that makes sense. Um. No. I don't know what else to say. I really don't. Well, I got one more thing to say. I am Ephraim. And good night.